Welcome to Sin City with Nick Menezes and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. Hello, MRU, and welcome back to Sin City. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Manessis. This is Dane McLean. We're so lucky to have Trevor Chambers on the show today. Ooh. Thank you for coming, Trevor. This is pretty different from what we were used to back in Mount Royal, being in the studio, but we're making it work as best as we can. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we are awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on this episode, especially considering what the theme is so yeah no it's it's been connecting with nick a lot and i'm just really happy to be a part of this episode it's really cool happy to have you oh and congratulations too on your graduation and becoming an editor at global news yay thank you (laughs) i love that that's awesome thanks so much yeah congrats on graduating that's how's the how's the feeling like i i going to be graduating next spring so not there yet but how does it feel to be yeah i mean graduating is fun we've been waiting for this day for four years and it's just un- it's unfortunate the circumstances it didn't feel as celebratory as one would hope but at the same time it's that accomplishment of sticking through something for four years is just insane like you sit there and you're just amazed at how quickly it went by and all the things that we got to do in the program as both of you know right and it's just it's it still seems surreal i mean i got my grad photos taken last week so that felt kind of like oh okay exciting <laughs> like now it feels a little official but um no it's crazy and to be the one of the first to graduate from the broadcast media studies degree program is uh it's pretty cool now it's getting out there and Finishing life. <laughs> nice, man. Nice. Yeah. What are they doing with the ceremonies? Are they being, are they like pushed back to like fall or I don't know. Well, they don't know. So MRU, yeah, they're, they're hoping that they can throw the ceremony. Yeah. Like you said, this fall, but that's so up in the air because, yeah. you know, fingers crossed, we don't end up in a huge second wave of this terrible pan- you don't know this terrible pandemic or whatever so i don't know it's just playing it by ear but you know regardless i will still be happy so you have to keep yeah. positive right that's right that's yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. yeah could be worse could be worse exactly <laughs> <laughs> but it must feel good, must feel good. Yeah. sorry um, you finish you go first Oh, no, no, I was done. I was done. Sorry. And uh, speaking of which, before we go, also my, in a week from today, my, actually four days away, my brother is going to be graduating high school. Ooh. It's going to be virtual graduation. So, congrats to that. That's awesome. Yeah, huge congrats to him. High school, I never went to my high school graduation because, I don't know. I, I have my reasons, but not, yeah, I don't want to, this to turn a therapy session, but so that's why, you know, this university graduation was extra special as well. So hopefully they throw that ceremony. Yeah. That's super awesome for your brother. That is amazing. High school is a huge thing to get through. So very proud of him. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't have the best memories of high school to say the least. Uh, <laughs> graduating was, I mean, I, I went to like the ceremony, but I didn't go to like the convocation or anything. I just, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I'm just excited for university. Just, yeah, uh, it's, it's more fun. It's more fun. The whole, oh, yeah. I agree. you're doing what you yeah. want to do. And every, everyone for the most part is pretty chill. And, you know, we're all there for the same purpose, right? We're all there because we have the same specialized interest in media. So that's what I love about university. Yeah. High school is just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no offense to those that love school that are listening. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Better times do come, though. Don't uh huh. A- absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it better. <laughs> Way better. <laughs> Much better. Much better. <laughs> Speaking of high school, um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I guess a lot of slasher films I first watched were probably in high school 
Good segue. Segue into the slasher genre, I guess. Um, kind of, maybe. Probably a little bit earlier too. But what we're, what we're, I don't know, Nick. What, what topic do you want to start on first? But I was thinking, like, just jumping into favorites right off the bat. Uh, sure thing. Sure thing. There's, there's no particular order, and we can, we can go in the show. We're the hosts. We make the rules, after all. Yeah. We do. I had a really hard time actually just like thinking of slasher films because I've not seen a lot actually because I've, I'm just not really like I'm kind of scared of slasher films so I think I haven't seen a lot of movies. No worries, man. No worries. But I've seen like the obvious ones, I think. Yeah. But I'm not like a, I'm not an expert on this genre, so this is interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's, the slot. Yeah, oh, sorry, Nick. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, 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 no, 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 it's okay. Um, you, you, you go first, actually. You go first. Well, I was just gonna say to Dane, yeah, that's one of the things, one of the reasons why, like, the slasher genre kind of more of a, not, not, yeah, it's kind of the more top-down, um, genre, subgenre in horror because it's it's slasher and it's people often think it's sexist because they're punishing women and for their sexuality. Like, there's just so many things around horror films and. You know, a lot of people that enjoy slasher films, the people that don't like it, the detractors are always like, why do you why do you enjoy watching such horrific acts? Why would you want to see that? Like, when would you look away from things like that? Like, it's a true crime event. Like, how could you? So that's why I love slasher films, um, especially the ones that take place in high school, as you were mentioning high school, because I didn't have a good. No, I didn't have a good experience in high school. So the thing I loved about these slasher films that took place in high schools where it was always the jocks and like the mean popular girls that were being punished by the, the serial killer or the slasher and in my way as a teenager a bully teenager watching it i was always like yeah get him get that stupid jock so it's kind of, kind of morbid a little bit but it's you know it's kind of a, it's a, a way to it's into fantasy so i don't know that's one of the reasons i always love slashers but yeah they're definitely not the most favorite subgenre in horror True, true. Yeah, it seems to be like a common setting is like, it's like teen teen years in like a small town, maybe a high school. You're you're right. There's like a there's a certain theme to a lot of them when you're. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it because. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, back sorry. then, the, the seventies and the eighties, like slashers were really popular back then. But but nowadays, like the idea of some killers stalking teenagers is nothing new. So I think it's really starting to die down. Don't you think in the modern? Oh, yeah. Slashers are totally start eye down. I mean, it, there's always that odd revival. I know in the 80s, they were huge, especially because of the VHS revolution. There was all these low-budget filmmakers saying, oh, my God, I can grab a camera and shoot the slasher film because they do not cost a lot of money to make. You need buckets of fake blood, some terrible actors, and women with big breasts. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that's exactly what they did. And people got a little tired of it. I think the 80s definitely had a lot of creative slasher films with Elm Street. And I don't know if Hellraiser would be considered a slasher. It's kind of more fantasy. And then it just died. Like, it was terrible. Remember in the early 90s, it, it was just so stale. Like, they're, they're on their sixth Halloween film. Jason went to hell. Freddy was dead, apparently. Like, it was just terrible. And then Steam came around in 96 and or 97 and totally revived the the slasher genre because it was very meta Wes Craven was like totally making fun of it in a way but still being serious and yeah it's just now that was the revival from the 90s and then all of a sudden the 2000s came around and it got stale again and then there's a torture porn films with like Saw and um, like Hostel or whatever so yeah, I don't know, Nick. I I honestly do think that they're getting even with Halloween 2018 coming out, which was amazing. Was, I still yeah. oh so good. They handled the sequel the right way. I still feel like people are eh with slashers. I mean, the indie indie films are good. Like it follows is great, but is that really a slasher? Right. That's what I was trying to figure out too. Is like there's there's the subgenres that are kind of like hybrids, like you know, slasher slash something else like horror in general um so making my list today was really hard like i don't really think i have a clear list because it seems to be a very fluid genre very fluid yeah and it was top three right we want you wanted our top three that's right 
Okay, good. I have, I have mine. <laughs> start, start with the guest. Oh wait. Oh, you want to start with me? Okay. Um, so yeah, on that, on that note, Dane, I agree. It was hard, but for me, I was like, okay, instead of really to dig deep and. I was like, do I want to be obscure? And I'm like, no, I'm going to talk about three that are, are my favorite, the ones that I can watch over and over and over again. And yeah, they're pretty cliche. So I already talked about Scream. That was my 90s. That was the 90s for me right there. I remember begging my dad to get it for me from Blockbuster when it came out and Scream 2. Um, and I, I just thought I was obsessed with that movie. I already had, you know, a crush on Nev Campbell at the time. <laughs> so, at the time. Um, so I was very excited about seeing her in her own film. I was like, oh, so cool. And Courtney Cox from Friends. And everything was just so perfect about that movie. Everything. Like like I said, how meta it was. And it felt like a John Hughes film mixed with horror. And how would characters in a John Hughes film deal with a mass serial killer? And there's a whodunit mystery. It was so perfect. And Wes Craven is a master. So I um, really love that. And by the way, I'm um, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Right, right. Um, oh, go ahead. Sure um, so, by the way, Scream is also the very first horror film I watched in my life too. I was only I was about eleven years old when I first saw it. Man, of all movies to be your first, that's that's <laughs> the best. Like that's amazing. I wish I could say that. I think mine was oh some low uh, trolls two or something. Some low budget horror film. It was so bad. It was so bad. Man, if Scream was my first horror film. That's amazing. That's cool. That of all films. Um, all right, so that's first one, and then my second one is, is no surprise, Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah, from 1978. For me, it was all about the cinematography and John Carpenter and. It, it was, the, you know, the mass serial killer and, you know, he could be anywhere in the shadows, outside or inside, or he could be right next to you. And that movie freaked me out because a lot of the scenes took place during the day. Once again, a high school student, but yeah. some mass serial killer stalking his victims during the day. And I thought, oh, this is terrifying. I remember seeing that as a kid and I was always so scared walking to school that he, Michael Myers would be hiding behind a bunch of hedges or something, right? A, Chase, yeah. chase me or jump out or something it was just it was insane and just everything about the way it was filmed the way that john carpenter filmed it with his panavision and um, those tracking shots that he did it was it was the first time from my understanding that a low budget horror film did that using the you know panavision widescreen the interior tracking shots and the I mean, the, the opening scene when, he, when Michael Myers was a kid and it was that one shot tracking shot. I mean, such a beautiful film. The sequel's eh, but that one's amazing. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on that film? You've seen it. That one is my, actually, it's my number one favorite scary film of all time, actually. Yeah, we matched. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. And the last one, I really struggled with this last one. So it was between A Nightmare on Elm Street and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So Freddy, yeah, Krueger is someone who's so iconic for me and, I, he, you know, 80s horror, right? I absolutely loved it. But I had to give it to The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's just something about that movie that gets me every time. I still find it disturbing when I watch it. It's made in 74. It felt like a snuff film the first time I saw it. I thought, is this real? Because <laughs> I was a kid watching it. My neighbor's dad loved horror films. He had a collection of just horror films, so we'd always watch them during the day. And man, that movie, I, it, I, it's like, I think they call it Hickstation. It's like a bunch of Hicks. So it was part of that kind of weird subgenre. Um, but it was 1974. Like, that's insane. You know, as amazing as Psycho is, which I know we'll get to later, but that, the Texas Chainsaw kind of pulled Psycho a little bit, but it just felt so dirty and gritty. And it's just a bunch of youngsters taking a road trip to go to some concert. No, no, no. They're going to go visit a family home, I think. I can't remember. I get it kind of muddled with the remake. But, um, man, yeah, the documentary look realism of that story, it just, that movie makes me sick. It is so disgusting and dirty, but it is so good. And there's a bit of debate also, like, was it, I believe it was a Texas Chainsaw or more Halloween that popularized the slasher genre? Oh yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I know Black Christmas, a Canadian film that came out. That was one of the first slashers, but I think and then Last House on the Left by Wes Craven also came out before Halloween. So people always credit Halloween as the first slasher, and you're right, Nick. It's 
It's, I, I think it was the one that popularized just for sure. And everyone always, and then because of that, people think, oh, it was the first slasher film. It's like, oh my God, no, Waco and Texas Chainsaw last was on the left. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 I absolutely 100% agree that Halloween popularized it for sure. Cause it created the villain, the, the, you know, yeah, the sequel to Chainsaw didn't even come out until the late eighties, Chuck two and, um, and then Friday the 13th came out two years after Halloween. So yeah, that Halloween, that's why Halloween will always be like the ultimate slasher film, in my opinion. I agree on that one because none of the slasher films today, like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, none of them would be here if it wasn't for Halloween, basically. Exactly, 100%. All right, what are your top three films? Which one you guys want to go? I'm excited. Let's go with you, Dave. Oh, name. man. It's so hard to say, but I think number one, I'll go number one. That's easier for now. Um, is Psycho, the original, original Psycho. Um, it's just, it's just one of those films. I saw it in, I saw it for the first time probably actually in university in um, film class. And I heard so much about it. It has that like mythos around it. And yeah, it just does not disappoint at all. It's for 1960. It's, it's still scary, even though. I mean, it's a little bit dated for sure, like a lot of, obviously when it's almost, wow, six years old now. Yeah, going to be dated, but it's still scary and they, it still holds up quite well. And of course, Norman Bates is just like one of the creepiest characters in cinema, I think. And um, yeah, I think... You sympathize I, with him. You sympathize with him and up, up until the end, you're like, oh, gross, what the hell? I thought this was being abused by his mom. He is his mom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just one of the most, like, twisted, especially for the time. Like, that's, like, really twisted for, like, 1960. Um, very brave movie, I think, for the time. And uh, Alfred Hitchcock, I think he um, he's one of the best of all time. So that was surprisingly, I'm looking here and, yeah, like, I made $50 million for a film at that time. That's pretty impressive. That's oh, man. What would that be today? $50 million inflation. <laughs> I don't want to look that up. I know. I, I'm curious, too. That would be a lot of money back then. Or that could today, be that was the last 60 years grossed in total, but I'm not too sure if that would be... 1960 would be bear with us that would be wow that would be 437 million that's a block that's a blockbuster opening opinion like that's huge yeah. move over forget jaws like that that's the first blockbuster right there it's psycho jaws yeah. is not a pressure by the way i think you're gonna have another episode on that but um yeah that's cool good choice man that's a great movie yeah thank you thank you yeah i think it's just one of those ones that always remember and it's it doesn't even really feel like a slasher the whole way through it's more psychological for it's like a part, but, detective noir yeah. Way yeah i guess it fits oh. into the slasher genre though um, a shower scene though oh yeah yeah even people who, even people who have never seen the film always know that the shower scene is from psycho it is that iconic Yes, exactly. The yeah. so 78 setups and 52 cuts. I remember that because I watched a documentary on it. There's a whole documentary just seen. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. I need to watch it again, too. I'm, I'm kind of I'm curious to see it again. Just, I don't know. Maybe this, this week I'll do it again. You should watch the 1998 uh, remake by Gus Van Sant. It is so pointless. <laughs> the shot for shot remake in color with Anne Hayden, Julianne Moore, and Mortensen. And, you're, and, and, and Vince Vaughn plays Norman Bates. Watching it, like, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> this is so pointless. Yeah. One of those remakes for the sake of being a remake, I think. Uh huh. Uh, and to those who don't know, have you ever the have you guys ever heard of uh, Ed Gein? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like his crimes are basically he was a uh, serial killer and a body snatcher, and his crimes were actually what inspired the character of Norman Bates and other fictional serial killers like Leatherface and then Psycho Bill from The Silence of the Lambs, basically. Man, that's crazy. Way to glorify a serial killer. He has three characters based off him. Good grief. 
That's insane. He was he was a nasty serial killer, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. And to go even more darker, like much like Norman Bates, he also targeted women who reminded him of his mother. Ooh. And like Leatherface, he um, he also lived in a house where the furniture was all basically made of human bones and flesh. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> but that's why we love these films, because what other genre would base a movie off of someone disgusting like that? It's it's so cool. I'm not glorifying. I'm not saying the murders are cool. I'm just saying it's crazy what they do with slasher films. Sorry, Dane. We're hijacking your list. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of glad because I don't have like a good list here. Like I'm just like, I'm kind of scrambling. Like I'm, I'm right now Googling like what, what other films are considered slasher films. Cause I'm like, I don't really know if what I'm thinking about are slasher films, but number two, um, I have, uh, Sweeney Todd, the, the demon barber of fleet street, the 2007. (laughs) (laughs) You know what it is? It's a slasher musical. It is. Yeah. That counts. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love <love> Simpsons. So. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's really good. I saw it in theaters, I think, and I was it was a bit scary for for me at the time, like 11, 12 years old. But oh, you don't know what you're you think you're going into some Nightmare Before Christmas, Tim Burton, like oh Sleepy Hollow type movie, and you're like oh wow, yeah, uh, very a- nasty musical. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It is. It's it's really stylish though, and it's. I mean, the obviously you have Johnny Depp and yeah. and um, uh, for, uh, Helena, Helena Helena Bonham Carter. That's, that's oh, yes. Yeah. Um, He's in every Tim Burton film. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's it's iconic for the two thousands. It's it's a great film. I think that's an awesome choice. I want to Google that. Is Teeny Teeny Swad? <laughs> is Teeny Todd a slasher? film yeah it, it, it is <laughs> it's a pretty it's pretty out there for this for this episode but i think i think it fits in it does. It is. there's a whole article the headline is tim burton's first slasher movie so there you go nice pick okay. <laughs> <laughs> very unconventional but i did love that movie and I've seen it from start to finish. A lot of these movies, that's my other problem, is like I've, I've seen parts of Scream. I've seen parts of Halloween. I've seen parts of all of these great slash films, but I haven't seen it fully to say like I've really seen it. So that's the other part. My other problem I have is like I just need to watch these start to finish. Everyone has their cup of tea because I like slasher films, but I don't like uh, Nick and I were messaging about this. Uh, he did a little uh, his top 10 war films. I haven't seen a lot of war films. So I was like, oh, Nick. Oh, no, I actually don't have I can't make a list. I'm like, I guess uh, your list is perfect. So it's yeah. no different. Right. There's so many war films I've seen clips of like Apocalypse Now or whatever, but I haven't seen them straight through. So in that similar sense, it's, it's a genre that I know about. I need to actually sit down and watch those yeah. films straight through. So it's no different with you and yeah. Slashers. Yeah, otherwise I feel like a poser saying any of these other ones because I'm like, I haven't really seen every scene. So it's like, I won't be able to talk about specifics. So Sweeney Todd, I've seen fully and I, I remember it clear enough and I liked it. So that's number two for me, but it'll change if I, once I start watching more movies. <laughs> but it could change. It's, it might hold up though, you never know. But um, number three, this is another thing I don't really know. Would you guys consider The Shining to be a slasher film? Uh, parts. Like I say, a small twenty-five percent would be slasher, yeah. and be more psychological. So, but yeah. it's a matter of perspective, I'd say. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to find like I'm like really on like the the what am I trying to say? The outskirts of the genre with my picks, but not real. No, no, not the first two. The Shining, yeah, that's debatable. But the scene where Jack's chasing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't remember the wife's name with the with the axe. That that is one hundred percent a beautifully shot flasher moment, right? He's hunting his prey. So yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. Like a choice. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for considering not- you don't yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> considering you don't like slash films, that is a really cool list. It's, <laughs> so it's, definitely, it's definitely different, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Shining. I don't really think of it as a slasher but uh, have you seen dr sleep no that would be considered more it's psychological but way more slasher type-esque moments in it and it's a sequel yeah. to to uh the shine should watch it yeah yeah i definitely want to 
that's really good really, really interesting yeah awesome thank you guys thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> all right next lips i already know one of the films but i'm very curious about the other two <laughs> we'll list them all again obviously yeah <laughs> number three for me would be the texas chainsaw massacre oh uh, i love that heavy film. one heavy one right off the bat <laughs> yeah that's a heavy one <laughs> Film like it like and the fact it was falsely marketed as a true story actually adds into that 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 feeling it actually happened and also and also it came out during a time where the 70s was a lot of experimenting basically and it showed that sometimes less is more in terms of slasher like to like toby hooper like he was a not very well known and he didn't have a big budget to make this film all he just needed was just a couple of friends a camera and just a car to head to texas and make this film so that's oh you it. know i make that it's funny you say that so dane I, I, you haven't seen the film I saw a movie called the texas chainsaw massacre how much blood do you think they used in that movie oof i don't know i think i've heard about this it was like a lot though it was like a few i don't know a few trucks full i don't know <laughs> man there's like no blood in the movie at all oh, really isn't that crazy that's what i love about that movie it's it's not gory it's all in your imagination there's a lot of cutaways the hook like a woman being put impaled on a hook you don't see blood or when he chainsawing the guy in the wheelchair <laughs> that sounds terrible but you don't see blood spraying out so it's funny that you mentioned that nick he didn't have a lot of money so there wasn't a lot of gore but yeah anyway sorry, sorry to jump in but i always found that really cool no worries no worries man it's okay so I've, it's I've seen like parts like i've turned on the tv and I've, it's been on and i've watched a bit and I've, I've just been like really scared by it so i don't ever like watch it more than a few minutes but it's a nasty film i always imagined there was a lot of like blood in oh. it but it's, that's interesting to hear True. also what's interesting about it is it's a, it's a daylight horror film for the most part right like oh it's mostly daylight. that's what gets yeah that's what gets me the most i'm like oh any horror movie that takes place during the day it really gets to you it's like oh like midsummer mm. yeah that is a bright film. Holy, that is definitely during the day. Well, the whole, yeah, there's no, that, that, that where they are in Midsommar, it never goes to night. Yeah, it's so weird. Anyway, sorry, Nick. Yeah, go on about text. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. This isn't just about me. It's also about you guys, too. Sure. <laughs> and what the the scary the part that really stood out to me in te the Texas Chainsaw film is basically the entire dinner scene, and that, yeah, that was actually a traumatic experience for the actors because they left. There's uh, for context. Um, sure. for during the film's climactic moment, the um, Leatherface, who is the film's killer, and his family, they capture the final girl, Sally. They tie her up on a chair and force her like to eat all this meat that's actually made from their own victims. Oh, and was <laughs> Dane's like no. <laughs> that scene was stressful because they, yeah. they they used real meat for the actors because they used real meat and they left the, the meat under like the the hot sun for twenty four hours. So the smell it really I made it difficult to film an entire scene. Some sort of sickness from that. She did seem pretty during that scene on camera so it's even oh. scarier to know that it was real screen hey they looked real hot too wasn't it like 100 degrees fahrenheit sorry so it was like 38 degrees celsius in that house that they were filming in in texas so not only is she Yikes. spoiled meat and pretending to be hit over the head with a hammer and eating god that's so good oh, that's that was so that's what i mean it feels like you're watching a snuff film you're watching it and you're like how is this not real then you realize when they do, they're doing different angles and shots they're like all oh, right this is a movie but traumatizing for everyone involved oh <laughs> And another traumatic experience from that film in the, the the very end when like Leatherface is chasing Sally and you know where he gets knocked by the truck driver and yeah, he throws the wrench at Leatherface yeah that's right in one cut in one scene the actor was in re almost real danger because he used a real chainsaw and during like the first few takes he dropped the chainsaw and the chainsaw landed an inch from his face so yeah. I thought you were gonna say that that scene where it landed on his leg was real i was like oh my god why would they keep that in the film that's what happens he falls and the, the chainsaw cuts his leg open and it looks real 
And he screams. Okay, that's good to know that that wasn't real, but that's so dangerous. Um, Trevor, Trevor, um, stop it. You're traumatizing Dave. Yeah, I know. He is unimpressed right now. So, So, yeah, so with that being said, Dane, you should watch it. Yeah. You know what's funny? Watch it in film class, and Keegan in our program, or he's in our year, Nick, he hates horror films as well, hates them. They made their class watch Texas Chainsaw, and Mariah said his eyes were covered the whole, he was traumatized. He's like, I'm never coming to this class again. Oh. <laughs> you didn't know he signed up for that class and you don't know the topic before you sign up. And it just so happened the genre was exploit- exploitation horror or something or horror. I don't know. I don't know if you were in that class, but yeah. No, I did hear about that though. I think Brendan, um, Brendan Plasky was in that class. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she doesn't like horror movies either from what I feel. Oh no. That's so terrible. If someone doesn't like horror movies, the last movie you should show them is Texas Chainsaw. Cause it is so disgusting, but yeah. it's an amazing film. It, it, it is groundbreaking. So awesome choice. Yeah. Nick. I know it has influenced a lot of other directors like um, Nicholas Winding Refn, director of Drive. He said that that was one of the most influential films he ever saw as like a kid, like a very young kid. I thought that was interesting because his movies, you know, they're nothing like this movie, but no. it definitely influenced a lot of people in the, in the film industry. Yeah, it showed people what the limits are and what you can do with some good there's soundtrack in that film either there's no score so that's what makes it even more dirty so there's no music so it's so so it just feels so empty but yeah toby hooper only showed other directors like what you can do on a small budget and it's all about what the audience doesn't see because that one scene where that guy walks into the house and then he stumbles and leatherface appears and hits him in the head and then slams the door you don't know what happens behind that door but oh your bone you're just bones are tingling you're like i don't want to know what's going on behind that door but your brain is going wild now in this day and age they probably show let show him probably sawing him up and it's like well there goes the imagination it's it's no different with the Blair, blair witch project what you can't see is what makes it scary and that's what i loved about texas chainsaw some of it was in your face but man that's very true that's right. Yes. Very true. I'm yes. Also, reading Guillermo del Toro has said that he became a vegetarian for a time after seeing the film. I just... Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ! Oh, they 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 make meat look nasty, and that's so the close-ups of it boiling or her spinning on the hook in the gas station. You're like, oh. <laughs> I'm definitely a vegetarian now. Oh, gross. True. Yeah. And now uh, my number two favorite slasher film we have to go to, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, love that. Oh. Yeah. Wait, where's my Freddy doll? Oh, there you go. I'll bring Freddy in for this one so you can say thank you. <laughs> thank you, Ned. <Nick>. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Hey, you can take his hat off too. There you go. Nice. He's my favorite horror icon, and it broke my heart that I couldn't put him in my top three. But he's in my—he's number—he's number four on my top. But anyway, yeah. What do you love about that film, Nick? Well, basically, I love the the creativity in the plot, like the fact they took one of our basic needs, which is basically sleep, and they turn it into something that we are all frightened of now. And for a fun fact, the inspiration for Nightmare on Elm Street was. Craven heard this story. There were this group of Syrian refugees trying to leave the border and they all fell asleep. And the next day, like four of them, they all died at the same time in their own sleep and there were no causes of damage. They just looked like they passed away. Yeah, that's 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 true. Yeah, he got that inspiration from it. It's crazy. Yeah, that that, that to me, that's why I really love this film. It's a strip film, but it's a fantasy slasher film. Because it takes place in your dreams. What goes on in your mind is endless. So Craven really played up with a lot of those fancy elements, and oh my god, it's so good. And then the part in the third one, Dream Warriors, where they're in the mental asylum, and all the his victims fight back, and they become like these warriors from Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's just crazy. <laughs> Um, have you seen a Nightmare on Elm Street thing or some scenes of it? I, I've seen probably like the iconic scenes, but I haven't seen I haven't seen it start to finish yet for some I reason. I saw the opening of it in Gareth's, uh, Gareth's class. That's or, remember? Yeah. That's true. The only yeah. lecture I attended. <laughs> Sorry, Gareth. That had nothing to do with you. I was working at Global. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. It, I was surprised at how 
I mean, I had seen other scenes, but I was really impressed by that intro. It was, it hooked me. It hooked me. Yeah. The beautiful. Yeah. 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 Freddie Krueger. It's kind of, um, it's, it's kind of surreal, I think. Like, it's like the intro is very surreal. Oh, yeah. Oh, the entire series is all about surreal horror. Surreal horror. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. And Freddy Krueger has got to be also one of my favorite villains of all, of all time. Like, he's very, like, unique from other slasher villains. Like, he doesn't wear a mask and it's not silent. It's in cracks jokes and all. And and another thing what, and about the first film is that Freddy, like, yeah, he did make jokes here and there, but overall he was more serious. But the later sequels turned him into a complete parody of himself. Yeah, what about that? Do you prefer the more wide? Cracky Freddy, like the one from Freddy's Dead or Elm Street 4 and 5. Do you like the serious one from part one where he plays around, but he's more about haunting and like cutting his fingers off or stretching his arms, like doing crazy stuff? Because I don't know. I'm always torn. I love Ice Cracking Freddy because he makes those ridiculous puns like, how's this for a wet dream? Or when he kills the deaf guy, he's like, nice hearing here carlos and then stabs him with a hearing aid like it's so stupid yeah, but it's but it's hilarious right but then look at part one and he's terrifying whereas he's not terrifying in the other sequel so like which one do you prefer i mostly prefer well more more the, the first one where he's more more dark more darker yeah let's make jokes here and there yeah and then, i agree yeah and i gotta say when it comes to the this is gonna be get a bit a bit morbid what i'm about to say but uh for, but for, like i think out of all flasher villains i think freddy is more expressive when it comes to killing his victims let's say well yeah he's not he doesn't just take a knife and go uh uh <laughs> or or saw them off the chainsaw and run away screaming like leatherface freddy's he's very campy like he'll he'll find a way to he always finds what your fear is and he uses it like in part four where that one character hates cockroaches. So he turns her into a cockroach and squishes her. <laughs> and and, and, and the, the roach motel, he's like, you can check in, but you can't out. It's so stupid, <laughs> but I love it. It's like him and his one-liners, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I've always envi- I always envisioned Freddy should be best friends with Pennywise because they're basically the same in a way. Oh my! When you watch it and it chapter two, not the made for TV movie, but like the new ones, I feel like I'm watching a Freddy movie, just not as scary. But I always because he does crazy fantasy stuff with the kids, and it's like, oh, he's totally Freddy Krueger in, in clown makeup, another planet, whatever his origins are, but. It's its origins are, but that's so funny you say that, Nick. I always made that connection. That is hilarious. They would be best friends. Oh, yeah. are the leprechaun. Oh yeah, definitely. What was the story about Freddy? Like, what what was his backstory? I'm trying to remember. Like in the movie, in the actual movie, uh, you can yeah. take it away, Nick. Yeah. Uh, sure. Um, Freddy, like before he was all burned up, he was once a a child murderer, and then he he was capped he was eventually arrested but they had to let him go because of a technicality because someone forgot to sign the search warrant so once he was free he was chased by an, by an angry mob of his the parents of his victims and they burned him alive but he came back as a ghost to hunt to hunt down and kill all the kids of the parents who were responsible for his death basically it's a cool storyline Yes. Literally, like, don't watch the sequels because then they bring in those dream demons and it ruined the whole thing. I remember, yeah, Freddy's dead. I don't know if you've seen that, Nick, but they they, they do have that scene where he's in the building that's on fire and these dream 3D dream demons are flying around him. And I'm sitting there watching it like, I don't think I'm supposed to be seeing this. Why are they filming this? This is terrible. I'm like, just leave leave origin stories alone, please. Sequels, like leave mystery. It's like what they did with Michael Myers being Laurie Strode's sister or Laurie Strode's brother. I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I'm glad they got, I'm glad they retconned that in 2018. I'm so happy they retconned the brother thing. But yeah, that's the backstory of Freddy Krueger. So yeah, he was a child murderer. And came that back terrifying revenge, but it's not just and it's not just revenge. Also, why he's killing those kids, he just does it because well, because he likes it, because he enjoys it. Also, it's similarly terrifying. Yeah, nasty. <laughs> His face is just it's like breathe. The makeup is just oof. Mm, 
Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jump scare. I'll put a pad on there. I wasn't expecting that at all. Jump scare. <laughs> You're like Trevor. What happened to your face? Was <laughs> <laughs> out in the sun too long. That was yeah. good, that was a good timing, Trevor. That's freaked me out. Jump scare. I just gave James the <laughs> <laughs> first podcast of the jump scares. Yeah, you guys, you guys can't see because you're listening, but I have a Freddy doll and I put its face right up to the window. So there you go. <laughs> it was like very like distorted too because it's like the camera it wasn't focusing maybe great, but it was like even scarier because it didn't look like Freddy there for a second. Sorry, should have warned. Should have given you a warning. <laughs> oh, I loved it. That's good. That's good. And my my favorite moment from that film, like, would have to be the the, the blood volcano. You know, Johnny Depp's. Yeah. Depp. Oh, by the way, uh, Dane, this is Nightmare on Elm Street is actually one of Johnny Depp's earliest films. Oh wow! Yes. Yeah, like, that's probably true. Yeah, like there is this scene in the film where Johnny, where Johnny Depp falls asleep, and then Freddy like dra- drags him underneath, like under his bed, which creates a hole, and then the hole just erupts all all blood around the room. They had to use like many, many gallons of food coloring for this scene. And then they use that uh, rotating room, so they don't lay down. And then, oh yeah, all the blood. It's it's actually one of the most iconic scenes in that film. Johnny Depp being stuck. Yeah, when he was laying there, and then Freddie Pants come up from in from the bed, like, and then pull him inside the bed. It's just so crazy. Blood, blood volcano. I feel like he fell into a blender. I think Freddie had a blender in there, and that's where all the blood. They don't show it, right? Well, I wanted the deleted scenes. Johnny Depp comes out of the hole and he's floating, and then he collapses. But it was it didn't pass in PAA, so they made them cut it. But if you own a really early version of the VHS, and it's on YouTube, but you have a really old VHS from the 80s, if you go after after scenes, uh, you can see the, the cut scene, and you're like, oh, as a kid, you let the credits roll, and then that comes up, and you're like, oh, that's disgusting. That's so disturbing. That movie messed me up, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I could not sleep for so long. that I had to shut it off. Because I'm, I'm an older, the people listening, I'm in my 30s. So in the 90s, I'd go to the Blockbuster and rent movies. And Elm Street was a great film that I rented. I couldn't get through it. I couldn't watch the movie straight through until I was in my like teens, like late teens. Every time at the scene where Tina was in the body bag, when Nancy was dreaming and she and, and, and she goes out into the hallway and Tina's standing there, which is one of his victims. And she's in the body bag. I was just like, no. And then she gets dragged away. As a kid, I was like, oh. I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. Because I just watched her get sliced and diced, and she got thrown around her room. I was like, this is too much. But that is why I fell in love with horror films, because I kept wanting to go back to face my fear. Wow. That's good. Very brave of your tea. Well done. Uh, I know. I'm so brave. <laughs> <laughs> And now, moving on to my, my number one, which you've already guessed by now, Halloween, 1978. Just love you it. Know, our list would have matched. I should, have, I should have bumped off. What was the what was the first one I chose? Oh my God, I don't even remember. Scream, I should have dumped Scream and it would have had the same list, Nick. That's crazy. Or I'll put Sweeney Todd on, why not? But <laughs> that's an amazing film. Yeah, I know you love Halloween for sure. So yeah, what do, what do you love about that movie so much? Well, for starters, like there are so many things, but first I'd like to go with the the film's villain, which of course is Michael Myers. God, like if if you say Freddy Krueger is your oh ooh, another oh, I'm back. I got another guy. Another guy. <laughs> 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 I don't collect yeah, Barbies or action figures. I collect horror dudes. Nice. <laughs> Those are really good. Those are really lifelike. They are Todd McFarland designed them for Spawn. Yeah, I've had this since I was a kid. That's why he's got some whiteout on him and the butcher knife missing. For you guys listening, I am showing them my action, my toy collector. So sorry, you guys can't see it, but it's pretty cool. Sorry, Nick. No worries, man. Todd McFarland yeah. of his own. That's that's crazy. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. If you say Freddy Krueger is your favorite horror icon, then mine is Michael Myers for sure. Like, like everything about him. Like the fact that he does, he is just 
unpredictable like like my what makes i think what makes michael different from other horror villains is that like he has no no reason no motive for why he wants to kill people he's just it's just why not basically like yeah that's a good point and we're only referring to the first one of course but that's so true because jason it's because mom got her head chopped chopped off and he witnessed in freddie because he was the, he got killed that's so true he never had a motive he was just sick and evil and he just loved seeing babysitters mm. that was the original premise uh, yeah. yeah that's so true so, so great like and that, that monologue the monologue that dr loomis gives that like i i love that scene like that is all we need to know about michael myers basically i've even memorized that entire monologue after watching it like five times no can you do it uh, you know, okay, sure. If on, <laughs> a reenactment. You can stare at him while you do it. Sure. <laughs> Not helping. Okay. <laughs> so, All right, so yeah, I mean, yeah, let's hear it. Awesome. He goes. <clears throat> I I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no conscience, not even the most rudimentary understanding of life or death, good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face, the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Whoa, dude, I got goosebumps. So good. Holy. Dane, that's like the most, one of the most famous monologues in horror ever because it's just him describing Michael Myers. Like he was his therapist as a kid. So, wow, Nick. Nice. Dude, like total respect for you. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, the emotion and everything, too. I was like... I was like sucked into that. That was thank you. I, I so was I. I was just like put us, yeah, you put us in a trance. Like that's so clearly that's why that's your favorite slasher film, and that ranks in your top ten films of all time, doesn't it? Like not even horror, like just of all time. Correct. Right, you are. Yes. There we go. <laughs> Yay! I remember. <laughs> And a fun fact also, uh, at first, uh, Halloween was one of the, at, before I wanted to take film studies, I originally wanted to take psychology and Halloween was one of the films that made me want to take it. Like I want to learn, like trying to learn about like what makes someone evil, like where does evil come from basically. And that's why the first one is so good. Once again, Dane, as we were mentioning with Elm Street, don't watch the sequel, don't watch two, three, four, five, six. Maybe H2O, Death 2018. Don't watch the Rob Zombie version because it's basically <laughs> like a redneck version of Halloween. They really wrong. But that's so yeah. true. He was just pure evil, so you want to find out why. Because in the sequels, they blame it on a cult, a thorn tattoo on his wrist. That's not a thorn tattoo, sorry. He had like a thorn tattoo on his wrist, so it was a cult. Yeah, to kill his bloodline. So yeah. Yeah. that's My what I loved about first one. I, I, the first movie was the first one I saw, the first Halloween I saw. And I that ending. I was just, oh, he's still out there. All you hear is his breathing. And then Jamie Lee Curtis saying, you know, with a boogeyman, like, oh, man, it just, it, it was so good. So, yeah. Such such a good, amazing film. M Michael Myers has got to be, like, one of the most evil characters in all of fiction. In fact, I, I, a few months ago, I was working on this list where I made all types of villains, and I ranked them based on how evil they are. Michael is at number two on that list. You know who's at number one? Right. The uh, the, the Emperor um, from Star Wars. Oh, well, God. <laughs> oh, you can get me on a whole rant about Star Wars. Did you watch The Rise of Skywalker? No, not yet. Yeah, anyway, that's for another podcast. I, I'm glad they bought the Emperor back, but at the same time, I'm like, ah. <laughs> he was just kind of plopped in. Oh, by the way, he's here. <laughs> but no, yeah, Halloween. Michael Myers is... And you know what I really love? How sick Michael Myers is? He stalks his prey for so long. Um, and then and then once he gets to the point where he can start killing them, he creates these little displays of appreciation for his victims, like putting them, hanging them upside down in a closet or putting them on a bed with a tombstone. Like he set up this nice display for Lori for when she came over to investigate. Like, oh, well, she's going to come over here and find her dead friends. I might as well decorate them and make them look neat. So yeah. he's just totally sick. 
It's yeah, insane. That's, that just shows signs of that's sadistic behavior, basically. Yeah, because it's kind of like what um, Hannibal Lecter did in Silence of the Lambs when, with those police officers at the end. He just slayed them up. It's just, um, yeah, it's just so dirty. Michael Myers is a very scary, very, very scary, and he's so big, big, high. Mm-hmm. No emotions. The shape. That's all on the shape. Like it's just, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, sorry. I was going to say, um, with with explaining, like, with sequels explaining the character unnecessarily, do you think that's a problem with horror movies? It's like, you don't have to explain everything. I yeah, stop with position. Oh, my God, we don't need to be spoon-fed everything. What made Michael Myers terrifying was he was just some crazy guy killing them. What made Freddy Krueger scary was you don't know why he can whatever he does to someone in the means actually affects them in real life. I don't need to know. Um, same with same with Jason. I mean, Jason, they didn't really do much with that anyway, but I, I agree. It's, there's just, even the leprechaun, like, they went into explaining the leprechaun. It's like, he's just, want, he wants his pot of gold back. But they gave some big origin story for him after he went to space anyways. But so stupid. But no, absolute exposition and origin stories, I find, take the allure. And it's just, oh, uh, Leatherface. I don't need to know about the Sawyer family. I don't need to know about Leatherface, where he came from. I've already done two prequels on him. Like, I don't need to know that he was an abused child or so true. an escaped yeah. mental patient that worked in a meat packing plant. I, it's so much more scary when I know nothing about them. It makes me feel way more shaky and scared when I'm like, oh, wow, who are these people? Why are they doing this? So That's cool. horrible. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, one more scene I'd like to add about the ho- the Halloween film, like that that scene, you know, where the, the guy with glasses goes to get a beer and then Michael then like pins him to the wall with his knife and then starts tilting his head. Oh, like, like yeah. what is going on in Michael's head? Like, like that was a total jump scare. Yeah, he's doing the just mm-hmm. staring at his dead body while he's pinned against the wall. Nah, yeah, that that's a, you know what? That, I think that scene disturbed most. I saw Halloween because it was quiet. John Carpenter removed the score from that scene, and he's staring at that body hanging up there. And all you see are the silhouettes, and the and the, the only light coming is from the porch light behind them from outside. And it's just like, ooh, that's really scary, really disturbing. And a fun fact also the like the 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 actor who played Michael for that scene, he was t- he, when he was tilting his head, John Carpenter told him to look at the body as if it was your butterfly collection, and that's why that's what he did. And he told us that's some method act right there. Ooh, <laughs> that's crazy, man. Those are good good selections. That's awesome. Yeah. So you and I essentially get a surprise, and Dan, you brought something new to the table. <laughs> Sweeney Todd shining and psycho you did bring up psycho though which they're celebrating their whatever anniversary now i don't even know what is it? 60 years 60, 60 years 60 yes. year anniversary that movie is so iconic it's insane and what a perfect episode to have as a theme is slashers because psycho I hate to say it i know everyone's gonna argue with it i like right of the slasher for me it did like halloween definitely made it a trend but psycho to me is one of the first slasher. I don't count the ones that came before it that are classified. I think that's film students overreaching. Psycho definitely was like the big one. So yeah, okay. I don't have a Norman Bates action figure, unfortunately. I really wanted one. They have one that's like his, the mom's dress on in the wig, and you can take oh, it in the face clothing. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Once again, Todd McFarlane. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, one more thing to add. Have you seen, guys, seen this? It's a sketch I made of uh, Michael Myers. Can you guys? Oh! That's so good. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, and it's the monologue behind him. Wow. Nick, you gotta, like, submit that to, like, a fan forum or something, like, a YouTuber that loves horror. So that's so cool. That's, like, a tattoo. Yeah. That tattoo. You need to do that. You need to get a whole sleeve of, like, a horror film. That's so cool. That's really awesome, man. You impressed me so much. That is so cool. Amazing. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Uh, uh, you go get anything. What were you going to say? Oh. oh, I was just going to say, like, um, you see, like, there's the themes in these movies, the slasher movies, like we were talking about before. There's, like, the locations and everything. You feel like, I was going to bring up, like, what you guys think about it um, being, it's typically middle America, kind of middle class neighborhoods. Um, 
do you think they're trying to appeal to like the mass audience of so first of all younger people typically are moviegoers and then also uh so they 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 use characters that are younger like teens to young adults and then also uh middle america so those are the people that are typically moviegoers also or like middle class uh, society in general um and then you also have like the whole idea of maybe like um uh because middle class life is kind of mundane and there's not a lot going on that's kind of like the the you couldn't probably set that in like another context right like i know there's today the horror movies are starting to branch out and they're putting like different people in these horror movies and everything like the the blueprint of like halloween nightmare on elm street it was like probably trying to touch on sort of middle america middle income people their paranoia about just the unknown because they don't really have any maybe clear stressors in their life at that time in the u.s but maybe there were some underlying under like undercurrents of of things that were actually maybe people were ignoring or something what what do you guys think of like what what, what do you think the message is in a lot of these movies if there is one yeah mainly right i think they knew how to they knew how to their audience they knew there was going to be a bunch of teenage boys going to see it that's all it was so i think directors really tapped into that so i'm not including psycho i'm talking about last house on the left and texas chainsaw and yeah i guess halloween they they, the the directors knew their audience so they that right away that did it and you're right it was always in a suburban neighborhood it was always high school students you know what i mean and i think the audience would love to see it's a fantasy like an escape right of what would happen if i was in a situation like that so yeah i find that that kind of kept that theme and it it worked because everyone went to go see it so then you have all these knockoffs like like valentine or what was it called my sweet valentine or whatever and no, my bloody valentine my bloody valentine thank you yes and 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 these horror films that came after in friday the 13th it was always teenager usually usually caucasian um being attacked by a serial killer and there's always the final girl because dudes teenage boys want to see the the young girl with like i said the big breasted young girl running away screaming i think laurie strode was like the first strong final girl which is chronic because it's one of the first slasher films but then all the slasher films that came after it it was totally exploitive they did they lost touch with what people loved about slasher films right. um but yeah, I totally agree. It was it, it was the, that pinpoint demographic, and that's why they're like, oh, if that's our demographic, then we might as well cast them in our films because that's what they want to see. And any and any film that went beyond that, they didn't do well. Like Hellraiser did not do well because it was about a fifty-year-old British woman trying to bring her dead husband back in with Pinhead. <laughs> Teenage boys did not like that. <laughs> so. And also, it got to the point where slasher films were no longer shown in theaters, but now straight-to-home video releases instead that's so. 80s vhs boom and that's where you got some really bad films maniac is good you think texas chainsaw nasty that movie's disgusting uh, if you guys haven't seen it look up maniac it's from like the early 80s that's that's a made on like a cassette recorder like cheap camera it's pretty crazy but yeah that vhs boom people are like yeah well we'll just slashers unless it's unless it's part of a franchise like freddy jason or or Michael, then we're not we're not releasing it. Go work straight to video. Yeah. yeah. And uh, to answer your question, Dane, about the message in slasher films, to me, it's kind of a mixed bag, but I think that they were released just to give like a warning to young people like who live in normal neighborhoods to let them know that, you know, that life is not always sunshine and rainbows, like to let them be aware of the potential dangers that could happen in their neighborhood, in their society, because because slasher films they i think slashers are probably the more realistic branch of horror because they could actually happen there are there are serial killers and people who stalk who stalk others as they're walking doing their everyday job so i think this is more as a just as a warning to to teenagers to young to young ones total warnings made fun of that and scream don't have sex before you get married or you're gonna die the virgin always lives and you know don't say i'll be back or don't be a bully because those are all the people that so that's totally it there are all that message very all the the fun party girls that were out having drinking and having sex they were the first to go (laughs) 
said. That's that is true. There's yeah. yeah. Wow. That's well, interesting. That's really interesting. <laughs> and there's the fact that the, the people they they tend to split up and run upstairs when they should be oh. going to the front door. What yeah. is it? What didn't have to say? She's like, I don't watch horror movies. What's the point? It's, it's always the same. Just a bunch of that are a bunch of teenagers that can't act. The big-breasted women who can't act that always run up instead of going out the front door, and then all of a sudden the killer comes in from the other side of the door, and she can't get out her front door, so Nev Campbell runs upstairs. So it was funny. It was sight. It always poked fun at itself. That's what I loved about Scream. And yeah, we really picked some good films. That's cool. That's awesome. I love slasher films. I, I'm gonna go watch a slasher film right after this. To be honest, I want to. Yeah, I want to revisit Urban Legend. Part of the '90s horror, and try, and to add a more realistic sense. Um, by the way, if if all of us and you two guys, if you were in a slasher film, don't worry, I'm sure you guys will survive. Because you're pretty smart in this. I would be the dude that that would kiss her halfway through the movie. Just they would write me out because I'd be that character that's like, yeah, there's no killer here. What are you guys talking about? And then you never see me die. I just disappear. Because yeah, because I'm too, I'm too. We're too smart. All of us are too smart. We'd be like, why are we? Why are? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go fly to Hawaii for two weeks and let this cool down. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on your show today. I had a fun. This was I really love this. And I, I hope I get to be on some future episodes as well. I think Nick had some plan. Don't oh, spoil yeah. it. But I think you have something up your sleeve, which I really hope to be a part of. So I'm pretty excited. Of course, of course. Nice to have you here, T. That's sick. Thank you guys for tuning in. This was another episode of Sin City. Your host Dave McLean. And your other host, Nick Manessis. So joined today by our guest Trevor Chambers. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. See you. Good luck, Trevor. Thank good you. Day. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.